Hello and welcome to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm George Stahl, joined with Anna Bryant, Seth Abram, and Mr. Scott Reel. And we're glad to be back for another day on this journey of transformation. We're taking each of these 36 days and just spending a few moments on on each of these days. This is a new book that Scott has written and soon to be released to the world. And you get to join us here and we get to have some conversation around this new book of transformation. And today we want to talk to you about destination postcards. Vision is so important to creating the life that we've always wanted and the life that we hope for. We must create what researchers call destination postcards. A destination postcard is a vivid picture from the near-term future that shows what's possible. Mm. Scott, you say this is one of your favorite uh, invitations to us is that we must envision what we want to become. Why is it so vitally important to to see this in in order to uh, journey the path of transformation? It really is. (laughs) I know I say this all the time. This really is probably my favorite chapter of the book. And I was actually reading it this week in preparation for our podcast, and it just helped me so much just to be reminded of just how important having hope is and how hope and vision are so connected. Um, I, you know, the proverb says, without a vision, the people will perish. Well, I interpret that also as without hope, the people will perish. Vision and hope are just so intertwined. And what I try to emphasize in this, this day is that when we participate with God in that vision, through his promises, and, and God is one of the greatest visionaries, obviously, if not the greatest visionary of all time, the creativity of that, but that God and I are co-creating in this participation, something beautiful is going to come from my life. And the positive anticipation of that fills me with hope. And what we talk about here is the energy that comes from it. And if when I ask any listener, when you feel hopeful, you feel energized. If you feel hopeful, you jump out of bed in the morning earlier. You, you, you go do what you need to do. You prepare, you prepare, you prepare. And I think that that's where I've seen is that a hope isn't a passive position of me just hoping that God miraculously mm-hmm. is going to do something. It's God and I are going to really participate in this together, and I have a part in that. And we must do something in the present that allows us to participate in the future with God. And so that, that to me, the thought of hope energizing me, activating me through this participation um, takes me back to Brene Brown's quote, which has meant so much to me when she talked about we can learn hope, it can be cultivated. And she says that the center of hope is creativity, mm-hmm. and creativity empowers a person to believe, yes, I, these things can change, and I can p- play a part in that with the most powerful force in the universe, the grace of God. Uh, so um, if you're ever having a tough time, I think this, just read this day and start. But I do know this, George, it takes effort to work from vision. It really does. To, you're talking about uh, the, it's being creative. It's creative to see a better life. Yes. A, a better vision of, of who you could become. That, you know, that's where the word. I love how you say it's not passive because it does involve, like God can help us see it. And there are practices and different things that can point us 
towards seeing it. But yeah, the creativity. By the way, when I was listening to you talk about how you read your own book, uh, I was thinking a little about how God, when he creates the world, he kind of smiles at what he's made. And <laughs> I wonder what you feel when you read your own words. <laughs> um, it sounds like you you enjoy it. So, um, But anyhow, uh, yeah, creativity to to see something more of ourselves. That, that does involve work, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Uh, hope is an, an act of visualization. And I love that our, anyone who's played sports or been around sports psychology knows how much you're invited in sports to see yourself, you know, making the pass or making the shot or, you know, hitting the ball. And what's interesting is our brain and our body doesn't know the difference of our inner thoughts or our outer environment. So when we're just thinking about or, or visualizing something, um, something that's hopeful, we're, our body's actually experiencing it as it's actually happening. That, that's that's really, really amazing. And speaking of God's creativity, it, we're made that way. Seth, why is visual, visualization such a great practice for cultivating resilience? Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I was listening back to our last week's episode recording, and I, I realized I always receive a question by saying, yeah, um, and, I, and I just <laughs> noticed myself about to do it again. I said, yeah, but anyway, I'm trying to uh, catch myself. That's how you think, right? Yeah, it is. You get your, that's it's how like, you get your brain in gear. Hold on, let me it's, think through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's shifting from park in the first, first gear. <laughs> exactly. I love it. It works. Um, yeah, but I... Because usually what follows is something wonderful, Seth. So you could say, yeah, all you want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I'm thinking about um, just even hearing Scott talk about um, hope and creativity, and especially that word vision. It's about a quality, a kind of seeing. And it's about, you know, cha- where this whole book is about changing your paradigm, right? And it, that's about changing mm-hmm. how we see. And so what is interesting, it's, I wish I could remember this lady's name, but I follow a couple different therapists out there that I read or just on social media. And one of them is from Australia. And she talks about a visualization practice um, that can help us cultivate or expand our window of tolerance. And if anybody's unfamiliar with the window of tolerance, it was it's a, a term coined by Dan Siegel to kind of explain um, like when stress is coming at you, um, how, how much you can handle before you leave your ability to stay okay and calm and resilient. And then also like mm-hmm. uh, how long you leave it or how quickly you can return. That's that's uh, kind of uh, marked by the word resiliency. How resilient are you? How how quickly can you? How quickly do you leave your window of tolerance, and how quickly can you return? So she's talking about um, a visualization process for working with our window of tolerance. And so what's interesting, like you were saying, George, is that the the mind of the body, like it's 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 really fascinating how what you can do is recall a semi-stressful moment in the last week or so. And, you know, first off, she talks about, you know, getting settled in a chair, um, you know, just kind of giving your, yourself, your mind, your body some space, right? Closing your eyes even to just kind of limit the stimulus, stimuli coming in. But recalling a, a moment from the past when something felt semi-stressful. And even just that recalling, thinking through that situation, there is an activation that that happens in the body and and emotionally and even your thinking your thoughts it actually it's almost like 
it, it is like what's happening is your body's experiencing like you're, it's happening again. And what you can do is you can work with that now and you can feel that you can be in it more presently than you previously were when you, when it was happening without your awareness the first time. And you can work with that and you can, um, you know, cultivate and expand your window of tolerance, your ability to stay grounded as difficulty um, and stress comes. So yeah, from from a nervous system level, you know, kind of translating this this um, destination postcard idea, I just think it's really. Oh, there's another um, person I was listening to recently who co- talks about sifting through an experience. So if like for example, mm. when you do. Um, one of these visualization pra- practices. The best way to do this is, is this another way to translate um, the p- destination postcard idea is SIFTED is an acronym. Uh, so sensation, uh, image, feeling, and thought. So it's a way to first off position yourself in, a, in the future or, or sorry, in the past where it was something that you felt like really at home and really safe and secure. And then you sift through that experience. You it's before you mm. um, go into the difficult one. So you're feeling grounded before you ex, you know re-expose yourself to the stressful moment that happened. That way, you're able to manage it. You're able to handle it. You're able to bear the difficulty this time more presently. But yeah, visual visualization using practices for, around visualization. Uh, are very, very important. And I think that is another way to translate what's happening, at least on a nervous system level, in a body level around uh, the destination postcard. Yeah. So you're talking, Scott, you were talking about the very beginning, creativity to envision a more hopeful future mm-hmm. and the person that I see myself becoming. Seth, you're talking about creativity to actually process our pain. Yeah. And yeah. And to, because I would imagine if we, lack any tolerance to process pain, it's really not being helpful in resolving or working our way through it at all. Mm-hmm. So I love those like two different ways of creativity being used. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Anna, let's talk a little bit about how, uh, what some of the resistance to this might be. The ego prote- protects itself by keeping us stuck in a fixed mindset. So, and I want to, I'm going to quote squat here, Scott here. I almost said squat. <laughs> Scott, I took quote and Scott and they just kind of ran together. Squat. <laughs> um, I want to quote Scott, <laughs> my dear friend. He says this. He says the problem with the ego is that it disconnects us from God's reality and keeps us in the mode of trying to predict the future on our own, which always leads to disintegration within. The ego protects itself with a toxic belief, and any time. We want to change our mindset. It reminds us that nothing can change. So, Anna, the ego fears change, and obviously we disengage to protect our ego. How's this work in just a way that's not helpful to us? I think, you know, we are created and wired to be creatures of habit, largely because our brains like to conserve and minimize energy. So if our brains can kind of predict patterns, behaviors, outcomes, um, then it doesn't have to work as hard, right? Uh, The problem with that is um, when we have experienced things that are less than positive, we may begin to see that as a pattern in life. Instead of being able to envision a new, creative, different 
outcome, uh, we can often self-sabotage because that allows mm. us to predict what's going to happen, giving us maybe an illusion of control. And so we, it's really important that we are engaging our creative self and um, recognizing when we are trying to live out maybe a pattern that has established itself in our lives that uh, maybe originally wasn't of our own doing, but in time becomes a pattern of our own doing because we are predicting this is what the outcome is going to be. So I'm just going to short circuit all the effort that takes to get there and just Mm. go ahead and get there now. So that's something that we have to be uh, mindful of. I was just thinking like, being able to expand our wi- our window of tolerance, being able to process our pain helps us maybe to uh, circumvent that self-sabotage cycle. When I, I, if you like want a great visualization of this and, and somebody really engaging with their window of tolerance, here's a show that came out on Netflix several years ago, which I actually love. It's called The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I don't know if y'all have ever seen that. No. Oh my gosh, it's a gem. Pretty hilarious. It's, it it's, uh, it's a great show about this girl who's actually endured some pretty horrible trauma, but finds a way to move on, find a silver lining in her new stage of life. And so and she's in this brand new stage of life, but she's revisiting where she once was when she was in this this state of active trauma. And she just would repeat, like, I can endure anything for 10 seconds. I can endure anything Mm. for 10 seconds. And she's going back there mentally, processing that pain, extrapolating that to her current situation and circumstances and, and recognizing she has this window of tolerance, right? She can do this hard thing for 10 seconds, which becomes 10 more seconds, which becomes 10 more seconds, right? So if you would love to see that played out in a really heartwarming and comical way, I would I would recommend the show. It, it does deal with a lot of serious trauma, but in a really, I think, honest way about how our trauma doesn't have to define us, right? It doesn't, our, our difficult past doesn't have to define our future. And we do have say-so in that. And if we are able to think creatively, if we're able to engage that window of tolerance, if we're able to process our pain in a healthy way, we can move forward and write a new ending, which is really exciting. I didn't think about the window of tolerance being like connected to time, but like, yeah, to learn this practice, it isn't sitting with it for an hour. It might be 10 seconds. I'm going to sit with it. You start with where you can and I I can do that 10 seconds. So I'm going to practice that. And then maybe it expands. The other thing, would you say this, that another way of talking about how the ego protects itself, is it just lazy? Like it does not want to do the creative work of looking forward in a more hopeful way. And it, it doesn't want to do the creative work of actually facing pain. So in a lot of ways, our ego protects itself by it just doesn't want to exert any creative work to do any good. I think right? it's true. It's really hard to engage with pain because we know what that, right? Nobody wants to willingly feel the pain. But I think we don't always recognize that actually actively engaging with that pain is where the healing comes and where we can move forward to something that is less painful, a different future. But unless we process that, we kind of stay stuck in that, right? It requires so mm. much uh, energy that we don't even recognize to keep that push down, to keep that at bay, to like go the long way around the bend to avoid that one painful thing. When if we just face it head on, oftentimes we find that maybe, yes, it is painful, but it's actually less painful to 
face and process this pain than it is to actually live with the consequences of avoiding this painful reality that is a reality. Hmm. Can I uh, share a, a fun quote? It's from James Hollis. Uh, mm-hmm. If you haven't read any of him, he's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite authors. So when I, I don't say three favorites very often, just so you know. Uh, but he says, wow. every morning when we awaken and look about scanning our surroundings to find our bearings, we are confronted with two beasts at the foot of our bed, comfortably perched on each of the bedposts. One, one beast is lethargy and the other is fear. Wow. So, so we're afraid and that? lazy is yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> this, what do we do with it, Seth? Now, now we'll get a yeah. <laughs> no. Um, Wow. Yeah, I think the uh, destination pill cards are like one of the ways that we can yeah. work with that or work against that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the hope is that we can do something with fear mm-hmm. and lethargy and pain. That is the hope that, that we that we aren't stuck. And once again, this is what I know restore is all about, but um sometimes you just can't do that alone. To get unstuck in some of those things, mm-hmm. you know, we do need to process with others. Scott, I want to come back to you, and I think one of the things, if we're going to do the creative work of seeing ourselves in the future in a more whole way, in a, in a way that we could be more hopeful, what is the difference between anticipation and expectation? I know we've talked about this in the past, and there's some subtleties to that that maybe get us unstuck or help us stay stuck. Can you help us understand the difference between those? They're both good words, but I, mm-hmm. I have found that in my experience that when I have expectations, it can lead me to anxiety because it's, I, it's almost a lot of times my expectations are part of my attachments. These are things I must have. It mm-hmm. must work out this way. And that really limits hope. And what it does, and a little bit about what we just were talking about, I think that fear uh, there's a vulnerability and a risk involved in creativity. And mm. that's why we we recoil and we, just, we, we move backwards and we stop expanding. And I think so many people have had so many disappointments of what they expected in life, what they expected mm. from others, what they ex- even ex- the more painful one for me is what I expected of myself. And so those unfulfillment of those leads me to have a very... Uh, negative mindset. So you're saying, Scott, are you saying that expectations should change as they need to, to stay creative and hopeful? I think they they have to be breathing alive. Yeah. They have to be able to be adaptable and change and move. But I think that our ego gets tied to expectations. It must work out this way. I have to be this type of person. I can never make these mistakes again. And that leads to, uh, to I, th- I think, to failure, and and we re- mm. we retreat. That's what um, fear gains its strength from our retreat, and so um, it, I don't want to minimize at all that it takes energy, effort, and great courage mm. to live through vision. It really, really does. It is far easier for me to just sulk and live in self pity and resent than it does to forgive, to move forward to risk vision, to create, to participate. That's, that's, a, that's a much more difficult lifestyle. But I tell you, one, Jesus says, every day before you, life and death, choose life. And mentally, I like what Seth was saying in that quote, 
first thing I wake up in the morning, what is my mindset? What, how am I going to face this day? Do I have a vision that God and I today, I get to participate with God in co-creating this vision of this, this, this beautiful thing that's going to grow into my life? I like this quote, and I don't know who said it, but hope is growing on the very ground that I am standing. I like that, mm-hmm. which means that no matter how dire and difficult my circumstances may be, the hope is right in that space. And I don't need to run away. Um, and I face, but I like what you guys were saying. I cannot do that alone. I need a healing community. And so, from back to what Covey said, which was the, the encouragement and the inspiration for this book for me, when he said, from stimulus to response, we have the power to choose. We have the freedom to make that choice. Mm. And I really believe in that freedom of that choice, I need to participate with God in a vision for how am I going to respond to what has happened to me. And is that is that when I hear you say a lot, like when you have an expectation that's so concrete and it's not going to change or it hasn't changed, you change. Like you change how you respond to it, how you process it, how you go through it. I hear you use that a lot. So when there is an expectation that's so concrete, Scott, and it's not going to change, then the work and creativity is how can we change and that, in spite of it. Yeah, that's right? from that's, that's from Frankel. Yeah. Victor yeah. Frankel looking at stuff that was going on in Auschwitz, and he says, when we know circumstances won't change, we must change. And I'm telling you, that is a diff, that's the most difficult of all paths when mm-hmm. circumstances that we were so hopeful for do not they're not going to work out that way. And how am I now I have to choose a different response? I use this for growth. Jesus says, Paul says in New Testament that God works all things for good. Sometimes I did you just say Jesus said Paul said? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Paul said Jesus said through Paul. But sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. (laughs) But I I find that sometimes I get disgruntled when I when people say that to me. Well. And your and your disappointment, Scott. God's going to use it for good. I'm like, don't. Yeah. I don't want it to be that way. I want, yeah. How's uh, anticipation different? Can you? Um, that's. How's that differ from expectation? It's free. It's. Uh, I don't mm. know how things are going to work out. Mm. It's. Uh, I just anticipate something good is going to grow from this. More open ended. As Henry Nouwen would talk about, yeah. it's an open ended. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think there's a freedom in that. Uh, and, a, and there's a lightness. Wherever we control, there's fear. And where we're not trying to control, when we're open-ended, I was talking to somebody about that the other day, that, that with Henry Nouwen has said it, that the trust that it takes to let go, and he was talking about the trapeze, that, that the person who catches the other person, that the person who's going to have to let go and be caught, if they try to grab and catch you, it can mess the whole thing up and you fail. Mm-hmm. You have to just truly let go and trust mm-hmm. that this person is going to catch you. And I think that's the message of faith and a positive anticipation. I don't know how this is going to work out. I mean, it looks impossible for me, but I just know somehow I have this positive feeling that God's going to do something good with it. And, and it may be one of the greatest surprises of my life. Scott, would you say anticipation is more open-handed and expectation is more gripping tightly? Absolutely. That's a good um, way, George. Yes. Yeah. And so we, and I would imagine gripping so tightly does not lead to any kind of serenity that is helpful at all in, in getting through, but open-handed 
trust is what we're aiming at. Well, I want to give you guys just uh, any final word from each of you, just a takeaway that you guys want our listeners to, to hold on to. With hope, destination, postcard, how you practice this window of tolerance, just one, one quick word from each of you. Ladies first. Okay. I'll just say Anna, uh, just a gentle reminder that we tend to find what it is that we are looking for in life. And so if we are anticipating goodness ahead, I think often that's what your eyes will find. If you are anticipating um, just a repetition of negativity or that things are not going to work out the way that um that will be good, then that probably also is what you will find. So I just would encourage you to set your your sights higher, to think creatively, to trust the process, and anticipate that goodness is going to have the last word. Anna, your dog is agreeing with everything <laughs> so you just sorry. said. I apologize <laughs> on behalf of Scooby I love friends. It. I love it. No, it's affirming. He's affirming. It's affirming, yeah. He's like, yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah. I so love sorry. It. I'm gonna a... mute myself now so that y'all can have some real wisdom <laughs> apart from me and Scooby. <laughs> Scooby, Scooby, he's smart. Seth, how about you? Mm-hmm. One one thing to take away. Very aware of how to start my sentences now. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking about just that. That I really loved what you said, Scott, about the difference between anticipation and ex- expectation. Just was thinking about how. You know, when we live from expectation, we we carry into situations a, an agenda, mm-hmm. and we read into it the past, the familiar, which doesn't allow for new things. So we are. I'm just reminded that we we are all we've all been conditioned in the process of growing up to react in a patterned, habitual way, mm-hmm. and unless we work with that that patterning. We're not going to start showing up in the world in a different way. It doesn't just happen. We have to work with that. And so if we, if we want to become who we want to become, we've got to start making you know, choices that will allow for that. Uh, and that, you know, that looks like working with the habitual way we normally react to situations. Yeah, that's the only way to allow in new things. Uh, you have to engage your 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 normal your your normalcy of being in the world but that that also brings in discomfort so just you know when you're changing it brings in discomfort and it, and you know and the body and the brain and and things don't your system doesn't like that you're changing the system but that's part of what it means but 2.0 is better than 1.0 exactly and that's where we're aiming at scott final final word for this you- destination postcards I think in this chapter is the primary premise for the whole book, and that is the paradigm that we are living from, that we're operating from. And at the center and the deepest foundational paradigm of my being, how do I see God? And how I see God working in my life will come from what I truly believe, and that's the paradigm that creates the lens. And so... If I, if I believe the promises in the Bible are true, that God is loving, caring, wants to fight for me, will, is going to work in all these things with me, wants to participate, wants to co-create, is excited about it and, and longing 
to fulfill the desires of my life in, in a way that he sees are best. If, I, if I'm operating from that belief, then I'm going to see participating today and being hopeful today as I grow in this vision of who I am becoming through this relationship with God. And I, I don't know how exactly it's all going to work out, but I believe I have this positive anticipation, which gives me the energy and the hope to keep living and to keep growing. It creates a growth mindset, which we've talked about in this book, versus a fixed mindset, which says, I've messed up, I'm flawed, I'm weak, I've made too many mistakes, it's too late. All those defining definitions that we give ourselves through shame and regret that just overtake us. And so I just, I'm finding that when I reread this chapter, it helped me remember just how much God loves me and is going to work with me and fight with me and uh, care for me. And uh, that gives me hope. And um, I want to get to work on a vision. It's never too late. Well, thank you guys. The beauty of each of you, Seth, Anna, and Scott, and all of you listening, is that we're all in this, uh, although we're on different paths and maybe live in different states, different countries, we're all traveling the same human journey. And we're all working on staying on the path of wholeness and hope and well-being. But visit us uh, online at restoresmallgroups.org to learn more about groups that you can join. But thank you for joining us here. We love each of you, and we know that we're all working at this, and we all need each other. But remember this, over every mountain, there is a path, and the future rewards those who discover it and press on. So stay on the path and take care, friends. Hey, friends, it's Scott. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Searching Outward podcast. If you've benefited from enjoying listening or have benefited in any way from the podcast, We would love for you to come alongside us and join us in the mission to bring hope and healing to the world. While you're considering becoming a monthly giver of just even $5, you're helping us make a huge impact in the ways in which we're able to serve. So please consider giving by going to restoresmallgroups.org. Donate. God bless you and thank you. the near future that shows what's possible. Whose dog is barking? <laughs> Did you hear him? I'm so sorry. Yeah. I don't know if that was. I didn't know it was a dog or a parrot. <laughs> I'm so sorry, y'all. He's in the other room. I got the door closed. He's just, I'll mute That's myself. Okay. <laughs> I was listening to him barking. Like, a dog or a parrot? Scooby. Such a big baby. I'm so sorry. Oh, you no, put, he's fine. You can put he that is, in the outtakes. Listen, uh, it does go. not take much to distract George. So, uh, <laughs> well, it's one of those moments of like, is anybody going to say anything? Anybody? <laughs>